darkest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 283. Prism of Time from Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. 18 through ta- 21. That's right. We are talking those issues. Um, no real preamble other than the fact that obviously I've got some allergies. So, uh, you know, if I sound deep and sexy, that's, uh, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> or if I just sound disgusting, you know why. <laughs> what he's saying is, if he sounds deep and sexy, it's clearly a mirage. Is what he's saying. <laughs> well, it's, he's taking, he's on, he's on performance enhancement, dr- enhancing drugs, PEDs, peeing to a Secret- bottle before we record. Yeah. Chad. Secretly, I'm just a uh, Sinestro Core robot. <laughs> no, no space ape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Mark is taking the bookends, 18 and 21, and I'll take 19 and 20. So, Mark, you want to go ahead and take it from here? Sure. Let me take my glasses off. It might help or might not. Uh, so I get Prism of Time, part one, which as we as we pointed out last week, and now we can say it more accurately, as, a, as our little voice, as our little listener feedback this, this time points out, though I think we did touch upon this. I think we corrected my mistake, wasn't yours, mine. That I guess this is how the this is how they bother to do the covers now when, when there's a multi-issue arc. It's like, it looks like only the first issue has part one on it, but all but, but they all have the, the actual title of the arc on it. So part one has Prism of Time. Part one on it. We have. Let's get to the where the hell is the creative crew in this? There we go. On. Part one is titled Anomalies. So Robert Venditti, the writer. V. Ken Marion is the penciler. Dexter Vines, inker. Uh, Danae Riberio is colorist, Dave Sharp, letterer, McCall Janine, uh, did one cover, Kevin Nolan, again, does the variant cover, Andrew Marino, assistant editor, Mike Cotton, editor, and our good friend Eddie Braganza remains the group editor, despite Chad's countless phone calls. (laughs) So, what we have, we begin in Space Sector 563, so we kind of get a... I kind of a glimpse at the inner workings now of this new Sinestro Corps Green Lantern Corps partnership, and the little back and forth between Goran's son and Space Ape is really not anything unique, as we're going to find out in a few minutes. That to say there's like a grudging respect or a you know a a very lukewarm partnership is an exaggeration. They they kind of keep kind of trying to one up each other in this that and the other thing. Uh, we don't really get Space Ape's complete. A full name in this issue, so. Uh, but they, as they're flying off and in doing on a on a routine patrol, you know, Goran's son's ring alerts him to an anomaly, possible violation of Universal Criminal Code Statute three six four eight point one in progress. So Goran's son and 
space ape go to check it out. They land on this planet. You know, this planet that they land on is supposedly... It's not really supposed to have any life forms on it. But... And at first, once they land, the anomaly is no longer detected. But then all of a sudden, um, they notice... Basically, Space Ape notices something in the di- in the distance that looks that looks weird. They go check out this weird cave or this cave that has some really strange green energy f- fluctuating through it. But it's like in the form of veins, like veins like li- running through this cave. Um, Goran's son goes to examine it. He finds out that you know it's you know what's these veins are like. It, it is an ore. It's pretty much it's, it's ultra dense. It essentially is Green Lantern energy. So uh, he's confused. They notice something approaches. Both both Goran's son's ring and Space Ape's ring detect an, you know, get an error message, and they try to open a prior, you know a channel to the to Mogo to try to basically let them know what's going on here. And we have the first appearance of these prism-like insect-like prism or crystal-like creatures that we kind of saw in the preview issue, whatever. And I forget what number it was now. It might have been 13 or might have been, I think it was 13. Green Hal and the core of 13 when we saw all the things that were coming, that were going to be problems for the core in the future. And we saw these prism alien or insect-like creatures. Well, he, here they are. And they pretty much start encompassing and closing in on Goran's son and Space Ape. <laughs> and, of course, even here they, they kind of get into a pissing contest with Goran going, No, I'll cover you, Space Ape, go, leave. And, No, I'll cover you. And they end up both kind of like being o- overwhelmed. Now we switch to uh, Mogo, where we see basically now the, now the home of the Green Lantern Corps and the Sinestro Corps. And we see the, the construction of a new yellow power battery, a central power battery being conducted or created and going to be operated, I should say, on MOGO. And we have Hal and Kyle kind of observing this. And unfortunately, we have more of these, the same pissing contest, it seems like, between Hal and Kyle. It doesn't look like this is going to change anytime soon because Hal... Hal's standing there watching all this silently at first, and Kyle's like, wow, it's like, Hal, people said you made some bad decisions when you were core leader, which is also kind of funny since Kyle wasn't even around for most of the time when Hal was, was core leader. He was off doing his thing. Um, but they kind of observed the fact that, you know, kind of like the partnership idea, that's not really a bad idea. You know, the, the ceasefire isn't a bad idea, but, you know, building a new central power battery right on MOGO I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, as Hal and Kyle are talking, John shoots in, and I kind of like John's analogy here. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, apropos. Harry points out that you know I figured you two, uh, being you know being fellow Americans too, would kind of figure out what the logic in this, because he and, he and he refers to what happened after World War II, since Germany and Japan were you know the our enemies in World War II, but basically you know we helped we you know we basically. Put the hand out to help rebuild them afterwards, and and now Germany and Japan, for the most part, are you know certainly over the since World War II anyway as a whole have been two of our better allies, and and um, you know Kyle says you know that sounds all good, but you know maybe start with you know maybe start with a baby step instead of jumping you know full bore. Hal kind of agrees, but uh, John again points out that you know you. Of all people, Kyle, in a way, you should know this too, because you've you've used and worn all seven rings, so you basically know that they're just guns, and basically the gu- you know whoever uses the gun is determines whether the gun is going to be used you know for good or for bad. So, 
you know, while they're having this conversation, uh, and, and again, John also points out, you know, that he's he's been convinced by Sora about the way she's behaved, that he was skeptical at first, and uh, which of course opens the door for for Kyle to start to once again throw in, oh, my ex-girlfriend, and we'll talk about this whole Kyle Sora relationship thing, I'm sure, as this as this episode plays out. So, well, basically, so John, Kyle, and Hal continue having this discussion while they're observing, you know, the, the construction of the power battery. And meanwhile, down on the surface of Mogo, basically, we get into this, it goes from being, you know, kind of like giving dirty looks to having snide comments before you know it. It's like a, like a, just an out-and-out fight between the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, Hal, Hal, John, and Kyle kind of like step in to try to break it up. That doesn't really, you know, it still doesn't really work too well, even though we get a nice kind of like double splash page here of just action sequences between the Green Lantern Corps and the Sinestro Corps. <laughs> but then, lo and behold, who, who do we have that step, stepped into the breach to break it all up? You have the, the battered and beaten Arkillo and Guy. And Arkillo's doing better now. At least he looks like he's almost healed other than, that, <laughs> than an eye patch where his friggin' eye got knocked out. And guys just telling everybody to cut it out and, and pointing out that basically, uh, you know, Arkillo and I, or the Ark as he calls them, I kind of like that, that, you know, we're not, the, we're not just here to take, you know, we're not ones to just light, take things lying down. We're going to get into this and kind of break this up. And basically we, the two of us, have took, taken the lumps for each course so everybody else doesn't have to. And we're not going to deal with this. And I like, I really like the part when, when, when guy like could somebody tell me what the hell is going on here, and, and both both the Green Lantern Corps and the Sinestro essentially goes, but they you and they're just pointing fingers at each other and guys like I just can't believe I got to be the adult here. That's one of the better parts of this issue, and basically we find guy and Arkillo just step up and just say, listen, you know, if anybody in the Green Lantern Corps has a problem, guy's gonna take take them on and and put them in their place. If anybody has a problem with you know the Sinestro Corps, Arkillo's gonna do the same. And at this point, kind of everybody just shakes hands and kumbaya, and you got you have the ceasefire back back in place, and everything's hunky dory. Kyle, you know, uses his uses hands to try to to work on construction of the power battery. Then Sora kind of flies in, and I like her little comment. Looks like you need a better set of hands, which is kind of appropriate because she's a doctor. And uh, we see the you know the, the continuation of the the building of the yellow power battery. Now we switch to the atrium of the Guardians of the Universe, and we have Ganthet and Sade. I like the fact that they're, they're also acknowledged here, you know, as the creators of the Blue Lantern Corps, because of course they're 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 floating around with Saint Walker, who's basically being charged with his new mission to go out, seek out and resurrect now not resurrect as in Warth and all those guys, but just to bring back the Blue Lantern Corps, spread the blue light of hope, because now that especially since Kyle is not a White Lantern anymore, that Literally, Saint Walker is the only blue, the only light of hope in the entire universe. He is the only one, and I like when Sade says that to him. And the art's really good, actually, on this on this page, or these pages between Ganthet, Sade, and Saint Walker, because Saint Walker is drawn really, really well. But I like the fact that when Sade reaches out and touches his face to say, you know, you alone remain to wield the blue light. I really like the kind of it's sad, but kind of like more like you know, he, you know, it's just he, he just kind of has that look on his face that he, you know he. He's resigned to what is to that fact at the moment. So it's a moment. It's a momentary bit of sadness before he goes off to start seeking new blue lanterns. And while you know Saint Walker flies off, 
uh, Ganthet and Sade talk amongst themselves, and Ganthet points out it cannot be denied. We have both sensed it that the forces powerful un- and unknown are intervening. Um, meanwhile, at the, at the Citadel, Salak is like trying to contact Goran's son, but Goran's son is not. It says he's not able to be found. Uh, Goran's, uh, excuse me, Sor, Sor, <laughs> Sora Freudian slip. Uh, Salak tries to contact Space Ape too, but he also can't be contacted. Hal and John now walk in, and John kind of asks, "Is there a question?" He goes, "Ah." The logs show that they, you know, these two went to explore an temporal anomaly, but you know their last update, you know, they hasn't. That was their last update, but they really haven't checked in since. Plus, he doesn't see them on the map. Um, while they're looking at the sector and the area in particular where they disappeared, you know, Hal kind of, Hal kind of lo- looks at this planet, which is about five six three point two eight seven, and Hal looks at it and goes, "I know that place." Right at this moment, we get an alert saying that there's a you know temporal anomaly detected, the same anomaly number anyway that was detected before when Space Ape and Goran's son were doing their investigation. And John goes, "Is that is that another one in the same location?" He goes, "Negative. The, the readings indicate, but that can't be correct. But the, but they indicate that the anomaly is here." Then we have you know this big this big kind of like blue, off light blue like ball appearing inside the Citadel. Everybody, you know, John, Salak, and Hal, you know, point point their rings at the object, and you know, Hal's typical. Oh, whatever it is, they're gonna get a face full of green in a second, and we see we see a figure step out of the the blue ball of energy, and John like state you know state your purpose or we'll fire on you, and he goes, my name is my name is Rip Hunter, and the Green Lantern Corps has been erased from the future. He passes out. Uh, John tells. Tells uh, Salak to get Sora up here and quarantine him, and, and he wants to know, you know, who he is. We got to do a run of search on who Rip Hunter is, <laughs> and Hal's like, I've got a better question. <laughs> Why is he wearing a Green Lantern ring? And that ends part one. You know, I don't mind time travel stories, but they have to be in a very specific context, and I will admit right out that. I overall don't like this storyline because of it being time travel with relation to the future of the core. Um, don't get me wrong. I like Rip Hunter. I like the Green Lantern Corps and all this other stuff. But in this context, these ones being these uh, concepts being mixed together, I don't like the overall implications of it. However, there are some positive things. Obviously I can point out in each issue. Um, but to be honest, if you were to take all four of these issues and read them at a clip together, there's really not much development here. Would you say? Like they don't I mean it's 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 not a spoiler because we're gonna tell you in this episode. But the villain, Sarko, or whatever. I I, I don't care about him enough. And and obviously there's a reveal which obviously I'll, I'll let you to handle that, but it's just the 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 reveal the reveal of that should and probably will have implications. It's just overall, outside of that reveal, I really don't have much attachment to or interest in the villain. Um, you know, it's taken care of. The stuff with Rip is kind of par for the course, and then the bickering back and forth between the GLs and the Yellows is, I mean, kind of standard. I mean, what else would we expect when we throw them? I mean, they, they may be 
the good yellows, but still, you know, it, yeah, whatever. Uh, I did find it interesting because, to be fair, guys, I only read these issues today um, uh, while I was at lunch, and uh, I stopped. You bastard! For, no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, I kind of had to laugh out loud and do a double take when they mentioned my name in the comic. <laughs> Did you see, did, no, no, did you see it? And this is not in this issue, though, right? Yeah, this issue. Okay, so uh, panel that panel, that? so that panel where Kyle and Hal are standing in the air side by side, and then John joins them. Okay, hold on. Okay, now go go to go to the next page, and uh, there's yeah, a. Well, it's in a, it's it's an acronym though, or, or it's in a. <laughs> yeah. So there is a. I'm assuming it's from Stell's planet, yes. uh, but there is a yellow lantern robot creature named Chad, C H A D, <laughs> as an acronym, and he talks like Stell does with a uh, you know a period after every word. So I thought that was kind of interesting, and I do have to admit I like some of the yellow lantern designs. Some of them were kind of interesting, especially more the background ones than uh, the foreground ones. Yes, I like I like how we kind of get an evil muck muck. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Muck Muck. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so the stuff with Guy and Arkello was pretty cool. Uh, as far as Sora and Kyle, I'm sure we'll get more of that, into more of that once we get further into the issues and they start making it a thing. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I do like the stuff with St. Walker. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at this page with him standing there at the edge with his blue lantern power battery. And I'm wondering if I can try and get a nice PNG of that. Cause that'd be cool to have in our PNG library. It's a really good design. I like the art. It's simplistic, but it's shaded very well. He's not fat or stout or anything like that. He's tall. He's lanky, but he's got some muscle. His head tail isn't all jacked up. His face markings aren't all jacked up or too elaborate. So no, this is yet another artist who, who d- draws a good Saint Walker. Yeah, and a good Sade um, too. Not not a. Per- I'm not as thrilled with his Ganther, but he draws a great Sade. I love the way he draws Sade. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, to me, it's just a setup issue. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I think about it right now. Is all right. Sorry, I was just looking at something else. That's okay. All right. What do you think? I like the first issue, and as we kind of alluded, well, we we kind of touched upon this briefly when we did the uh, when we did the State of the Union episode. That we liked the setup on this. That the setup was good. The question is whether how it pays off. So that that's that's kind of going to probably be where the, where we get more in where it's going to be an interesting uh, back conversation when we get to the end to see whether one of us or both of us think you know this arc actually pays off or whether once again this was kind of really good setup just to essentially you know crash and burn at the end yeah i don't yeah i don't i don't know how i feel about it Neither exactly do I, so that's why it might make for a good conversation uh-huh. <laughs> I, I will say it's nice to see some lanterns back like we see gorn sun we see two six um Stuff like that. I think we see a couple of more uh, later on that I had forgotten we didn't have around, uh, or we haven't had around in a while. But yeah. Cool. 
That's what I think about that. So uh, on to issue number 19 then. Go for it. All right. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number 19. Hang on. Let me swipe all the way back to the beginning of this thing. Um, uh, creative team remains largely the same. We got Robert Venditti as the writer, penciler, uh, Ken Marion, uh, inker, Dexter Vines, colorist, Dini Ribeiro. Yeah. Letterer, Dave Sharp, cover, Robson Roca, Daniel Henriquez, Tamal Mori, variant cover, Kevin Nolan, assistant editor, Andrew Marino, editor, Mike Cotton, and nobody else. Uh, <laughs> the big EB. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Prism of Time ripped from the future. We, uh, open up basically where we left off. Sora has now joined the, uh, John and Hal and Kyle, uh, and is examining Rip, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, uh Sora reveals that he's human, which kind of, uh, sets Hal off. He says, if he stole that ring from Jessica or Simon, you know, he's gonna, you know, traumas that he experienced about to get a lot more recent. Um, he tries to access the ring, it won't let him. So John Stewart uses his core leader authentication to get it off of him, and they find out that its last update was Earth Year 2047. That's when um, Rip Hunter wakes up, screams the word Sarko, tries to get his ring back. Uh, Rip immediately recognizes everybody and calls them by their first name, Hal, Kyle, Guy, I mean, uh, John. Um, And uh, he talks to Hal, says, my previous stop was 30 years from now, an era where every Green Lantern is gone. It's not supposed to be that way. The timeline has been corrupted, but there's still a chance to fix it. Um, Kyle kind of reacts that, I mean, <laughs> is anybody else weirded out that he knows all of our names? I mean, what's the point of the masks? Uh, which, you know, since you guys have been out in space all this fucking time, maybe we're all asking the same thing. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyways, so... They, uh, uh, Rip has to reorient himself and, you know, kind of come back down and say, well, I'm earlier in my timeline than, than, uh, they're familiar with. So he has to do that. Uh, tries to explain things. He says, you said that when the hour was late, it would prove an, uh, I'm an ally, not an enemy. It, and the hour is very late indeed. And he's talking about the ring that John supposedly gave to him. Meanwhile, back over in space sector 563. Space Ape and Gore and Sun are still awake, um, talking to one another, kind of snickering back and forth uh, between the two. Then a gentleman shows up and uh, says, you both sickened me. Um, Gore and Sun tries to shoot him. One of the prism beasts uh, get in front of him and protect him. Um, and he says, the prison beast will protect me. Continue to act out, Gore and Sun, and I will have them kill you and Prince Lorix both. And Gorn sounds like, Prince, the fuck? Um, and that takes him off a little bit. Villain monologue, nothing really revealed there. He says, the, these are uncharted stars. I've not visited history before. I've only witnessed your future, and I intend to mend it all. Meanwhile, back over on Mogo, uh, John says, you have my attention. Let's see if you can keep it. He says, I need my ring. And Hal objects. Uh, he, um, uh, Rip says, when you gave me the ring, you set it to have data and communication capabilities only. It can't perform evil-based functions. You said I wasn't qualified to wear a true Green Lantern's ring because no ring had chosen me. After all, I'm merely a next-level science genius. The Green Lantern Corps couldn't possibly have use for someone so trivial. Uh, and Kyle says, your humble brag could use a little more humble. <laughs> um, meanwhile, 
they get down to the root of everything, and it says, this is the man I've come to arrest. His name is Sarko. And then cut back over to 563, uh, and Sarko is telling us his whole life story. He says, in the time I was born, I'm the last advocate of the yellow light of fear. The Sinestro Corps is no, is no more. Only the Green Lanterns remain. Um, and he says the Sinestro Corps didn't lose a war. They lost something far greater themselves. And then he talks about kind of what we've seen already, plus one small future event. We see he's talking about it all kind of started, the end started when the Yellow Lantern Central Power Battery was erected on Mogo next to the Green Lantern one. Um, everybody looked to the partnership of Guy and Arkillo to kind of set aside their differences. Um, I do find it interesting. I just now noticed this, that Guy is wearing a construct, um, what do you call those, a knuckle duster? Brass knuckles. Yeah, brass knuckles that now, say warrior. And I was just going to say that. If you had mentioned it, I was going to point that out. I love that. That's, that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it, when he punches somebody, it says warrior on their face. <laughs> he hopes anyway. <laughs> and then it says Sor- Sorianic Natu, daughter of the great Sinestro himself, and heiress to his seat on the power, made the final fatal decision. She foreswore her ring of fear. Her last command as leader of the Sinestro Corps was to have the yellow central power battery dismantled. And the yellows join the Green Lantern Corps into one big core. No more yellows, just greens. Uh, they, uh, he says, you know, if if you think of it, the Green Line of Will has been failing to bring order to the universe for eons. So why should the next eon make any difference? I'm going to bring the Sinestro Corps back. Um, he says the prison beasts are much more than you understand. It's impossible for your friends to be ready for this. And he sends them out from five six three towards Mogo. Um, Rip says Zarko is a zealot. He despises the Green Lantern Corps. I chased him across the decades to past and the future and back again. He's searching for something. I don't know what, but he's apparently he's found it. And if we do nothing, the Green Lantern Corps will be gone forever because of what happens today. You're a measured man, John. Every action carefully planned. Take your time, but the clock is ticking. Um, so, uh, so John decides to raise the threat level. Um, and to have ever, all the lanterns on Mogo charge their rings so they're at their full power and ready for whatever happens, he sends Kyle and Sora to do this. Kyle asks Sora out, uh, to which she reacts negatively, but kind of flirty negatively. Um, it's two pages of it, and I'm sure we'll get into it, so I don't really want to go into it much more than that. Um, <clears throat> he said, uh, meanwhile, Hal and uh, John and Rip are all speaking. Um, they're talking about what's what's been going on. He says, uh, uh, Rip says, Samuel John always asserting the core is more than a brute army. And he's, and John says, you mind not talking like I didn't just meet you. We'll start where Sark, we'll start where Sarko did the, t- the first time he jumped. Where was the planet? The world was desolate. If you want to see for yourself, be my guest though. I caution that time while abundant for the universe's short supply for all of you. Sarko traveled to space sector five, six, three, how reacts again. Starts looking up something on the system. Meanwhile, Salik says, hey, Correlator Stewart, there's something approaching here. Hal goes up to uh, face it while all the other lanterns are roused from their quarters to kind of defend Mogo. Hal goes to take them on with a butt-ton of Construct missiles, and it doesn't do diddly squat. And John asks for a report, and he says, Houston, we have a big problem as he's staring down an army of these prism beasts and it says next haunted by the past what do you think did like it as much as the first issue <laughs> even though i did like some of the rip hunter stuff i did like some of the 
I like the Rip Hunter stuff more than the uh, the Sarko stuff. Rip is true to character. He is kind of a well a sarcastic douchey Hal Jordan. So Hal Jordan, um, in a way, um, it's interesting how many Hal Jordans we have in the DC universe in terms of personality. Yeah. Rip Hunter, Hal Jordan, you know, so on and so forth. So I don't. Speaking of, I don't really, I don't really like the fact that they have to they're playing up. So, it's like it's like there's a determ they're making a concentrated effort like not even just once every issue like multiple times in the same issue to, to show us the differences between Hal and John in particular yeah. and to base and to also at the same time show that John kind of you know it, John Hal has no problem flipping the bird to John to do what he wants to do regardless of what Hal, of what John wants him to do so I think the that, book is called Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps <laughs> yeah, I think so I think that uh um, I, I did, I did like, the only thing about the Sarko backstory or his role in this book, I did like how the, how the idea of what really brought the, in a way what killed the Sinestro Corps was the fact that they, they pretty much openly and willingly pretty much killed themselves by all becoming Green Lanterns, which I really can't see. I mean, now, now you almost have no choice, but because of the way, the way that a lot of things in the, in these books, certainly the Venditti runs. I think have been pretty heavy-handed, so it's like you're almost guaranteed you're going to see this now because it's hinted. <laughs> there's not there's not much you're being hinted at that hasn't come to pass and comes that. I mean, I, obviously you could see Sora being a green, and you could see some of the others. I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing Arkillo being a green, not just because he looks weird in the uniform, but I just mean I don't know. I don't really. I hope I hope we don't see this anytime soon. Let's put it that way. But. Yeah. Um... And they do say that the, uh, towards the end that things have been rectified. Um, so maybe this is a future that's possible but not actually going to happen. So, um, yeah, outside of that, uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if there was any of those other lanterns that I was trying to mention before. That uh, Oh, um, Iolande. It's been a while since we've seen her. She's there in the background on that uh, group splash, and she's in she's in the actual issue. I think the next one, probably uh, more more front and center. But uh, yeah, some more uh, more lanterns that uh, we haven't seen in a little while show up here. Um, the Kyle Sora stuff is nauseating. Yeah, Carol, who? It's not, it's, you know, it's not even it's not even relate. It's not even beyond that. It's not, you know, to me, it's not, that's not even a huge factor in why it's nauseating. It's it's nauseating because obviously, based on the story we're reading now, now we're once again talking about heavy-handed. Now we we now we absolutely na- know why they're like they're literally jamming this relationship down our throats all in one fell swoop. But now we know that because it's totally self-serving. For even in this arc, it's self-serving. But moving yeah. beyond moving beyond that. It's like, yes, Sora supposedly, had, you know, you, you can see a little bit of it because going back to the whole tethering thing with the Star Sapphire, that obviously she was tethered to Kyle. So to say that she still has deep, you know, what deep-seated feelings for Kyle, okay, I can understand that. The fact that everything that she, you know, she turned her back completely on him just like that. I'm not saying she wasn't justified, but it happened, you know, pretty damn quick, and it, and it hasn't, and that was it. 
And then all of a sudden, now they're spending like five minutes together, and all of a sudden, she's kind of like warming up to him again and being flirty. Just like, let's talk about any port in a storm. Now it's Kyle being any port in a storm. It's like, hey, this is my ex-girlfriend. Let me me move right back in again. Um, So I I think it's ridiculous. I I know it's emotion versus logic, and, and usually emotion does tend to win. So the fact that... Sora should know that she she actually honestly deserves somebody better than Kyle and not to go down this road again. But you can understand emotionally why it's potentially there to re, be rekindled. But to do it so f- heavy-handedly, it's ridiculous. And for Kyle, and it doesn't speak much. Not that I on, honestly, I don't think Kyle. I, I'm not very very impressed overall with the Robert Venditti interpretation of Kyle. I don't think he. I think he comes across acting like a like a little kid a lot of the times so far, and I think he act, he's acting like pretty immature for somebody who should who should be a lot better and a lot further yeah. along. And I think he's acting like a little kid. He's still having the uh, dick measuring contest with Hal. It seems all the time trying to trying to take shots at Hal all the time. Um, and I just I don't like. I mean, the way Sora is drawn in this issue, she's drawn beautifully, especially on those double double page spread with dealing with Kyle. But I don't like it. I still go back to, I would be, I'd be more interested in seeing Hal with Sora, not just because it would be, not just, not just because it would be payback for Carol, but just at all, really, mostly because we we saw that thing in the in the Sinestro issue, how that's one of Sinestro's deepest fears, is that Sora would end up siding up with Hal, and they both would kind of be like, in a way, mocking Sinestro. Now, technically, Sora already has sided up with Hal. During the beginning of the series, and helped defeat Sinestro, but it was, but that vision that Sinestro had was more of them being romantically involved. So, but I just don't, I just don't think this works, and I think it's really heavy-handed, and it's just, it's, I don't know. I, in a way, the way the, the arc ends just makes it even worse because now you know why it's being jammed down your throat. But. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> speaking of things, Kyle should know better. You should know better than to unexpectedly give a woman a bouquet of construct roses because the last time he did that, he walked in on Jade in the shower with another man. <laughs> Which I still haven't forgiven you for, Jade. Apparently you not. SOB. Um, <laughs> oh, man. It irritates me. But, anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't. Do you have anything else for this? Uh, let me take one quick one. Um, uh, Hal's reaction was a little weird in the beginning about human. It's like, it should have been fairly obvious the guy was human. I can understand him being a little, oh my god, if he took it from 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 uh, Simon or Jessica. I can understand that part, but being completely stunned that he's human, it's kind of moronic. Why would you not think he's human based on the way he looked? I don't know. There's tons of humanoid-looking beings in this universe now. Yeah, but he, but he didn't say he was an Earthling. He, she just pointed out that he was human. Yeah, true. Let's see. I'm trying to just flipping through. I don't see really anything else to to comment on here for myself. Did, I did like the art in, mo- in in most of this book. Um, Guy is not drawn well. Uh, Arkillo's not drawn well. Uh, but I think most. I think most. John is uh, John is on the border. But I think Kyle looks good in a lot of pages. I think Hal looks pretty good in a lot of pages. So I think the art overall in this issue is pretty good. Alrighty, on to issue number 20. 
this one is called Dog Fight. Robert Venditti, Rafa Sandoval, Inker, Jordi Tarragona, colors by Tamal Mori, letter Dave Sharp, cover Sandoval, Tarragona, and Mori, variant cover Kevin Nolan, assistant editor Andrew Marino, and editor Mike Cotton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, which, let's just leave out the whole editing core because it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, it really is the same in every single issue. So, uh, the uh, we open up where we left off. Uh, the Green Lantern and Yellow Lantern Corps are uh, outside of Mogo for preparing their events. While Hal is going up with the uh, Prism Beasts, he's heading in point blank. Nothing is working. Um, he's uh, gets to a point where he's like, John, these things—they're uh, not things. I think they're constructs. Uh, and then, uh, John says, uh, so, ha- well, John says Hal, and he's got, you know, something in his crosshairs there, and, and Hal says John, I, and then John responds back, don't move. <laughs> and, uh, Hal says, oh god. And that's when, uh, they let loose a cannon blast, basically, and it doesn't do diddly squat. Meanwhile, over in 563, uh, uh, Sarko saying the future is set, you know, running changes nothing, and uh, Gorn senses you're an idiot. You think you can take down the Green Lantern Corps? Tougher have tried. Necron, Relic, New Gods! Super, ex- ex- super uh, all caps and bold. I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, well, t- and then the. <laughs> self serving again. <laughs> uh, the Corps beat them all, and, and uh, uh, Space Ape says, not even Sinestro, and Blasphemer, and blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, he says, I want to see the look in your eyes as the abhorrent alliance between the Green Lantern of Will and the Yellow Light of Fear is strangled in its infancy. Your time has expired. Hal is uh, uh, leading the prison beasts uh, on, a, on a goose chase, brings them towards the lanterns. The lanterns use their power to charge up Mogo, and Mogo, you know, shoots his biggest blast, and it does bow diddly. Um uh, back over on 563, uh, you know what, just more villain monologue. Uh, there's, I mean, no, there's nothing really revealed here. Um, he does say um, something to the effect of, my father was an artful storyteller. He filled my head with such propaganda from the day I was born. That is my history. I know it better than anyone. It is loathsome inconsequential. Here today I will expunge it. Um then over back on the core, they realize nothing has happened, and the prison beasts are on the planet. Um, and uh, Hal says, I think I, I think I made these things. It was months ago, back when I was still a renegade and the core was missing. <clears throat> I've been wearing Cronus Gauntlet too long. My exposure to it was changing me like a new leaking radiation. I used it one last time to forge a ring made from my own willpower. The Green Lantern core had dis- disappeared. So I hid the gauntlet in a place I thought no one could ever find it. I buried it deep within the de- a dead planet in Space Sector 563. Sector 563 is where Gorn's son and Space 8 went missing. It's where Rip says Sarko first started searching for something that could wipe us out. Somehow, somehow this all leads back to Krona's gauntlet to me. Uh, 2-6 says it's a logical conclusion, but perhaps not the one we should uh, analyze at this particular moment. John says, if Hal's right and the gauntlet is the key, what's, uh, what happens if he, uh, if he digs it up? Sarko's chance to find it in, in, in the future will be erased. His attack in the present will be undone. 
And then John says, you know what you got to do, Hal? Lanterns go up against the prison beast while Hal makes a run for it. Uh, meanwhile, over in the infirmary, um, Kyle and Natu bust in and say, hey, Nax. So there's another lantern we haven't seen in a while. Lantern Nax, you know, get everybody to the science cells so they're safe. John and, uh, not John, Guy and Arkillo are in there and say, hey, it's time to fight. So they go out there and they do what they can. Doesn't do much because two panels later, the guy says, well, I'm out of ideas. Um, <laughs> and that's when John says, uh, Kilowog says, Stuart, you have a plan, right? John says, of course he does, or guy says, of course he does. Kilowog, he's got, got him right where he wants him. Call the play, Johnny. Me and Art didn't suit up just to forfeit. And he says, Johnny. And then John says, we don't have a choice. Give them up, lanterns. That's an order. And they all take off their rings. And yeah, there's Iolande. Um, so I see Aresia 2 6. And that's all I can kind of make out back there. Um, <clears throat> says, we're laying down our rings. And then meanwhile, over in 563, we see Hal on his way. Um, and uh, Sarko unearths the. <clears throat> unearths the gauntlet says uh uh you'll be ready for him there but a mere fraction of the power that has gathered against you here is another tale of the green lantern corps one my father blathered many times how jordan once stole the krona's gauntlet the original prototype willpower weapon imperfect dangerous the longer he wore it the more it changed him it granted him unchecked power that defeated sinestro sending his once loyal core down a traitorous path that led to their embracing of the green light. By then, Jordan had discarded the gauntlet, hiding it from for fear of its destructive potential, and the singular thing, he was wise, and also foolhardy, because just as the gauntlet had a changing effect on him, he did the same to it. He imprinted it with a spark of thought, gave birth to con- a consciousness capable of feeling only will, lacking all other emotion, and the strongest expression of will is the will to survive, to exist. For decades, the gauntlet thought only of this until it free, I freed it from the place where Jordan revealed to my father he had buried it. Here, do you comprehend now the battle that waits for Hal Jordan isn't with me? He will battle his own creation. And we see a being spring up from the gauntlet and looking like a construct and uh, says, next, the fight of the future. And when I saw this... Uh, gauntlet being that is basically an extension of Hal's own power and personality or whatever. Oblivion. Yeah, I immediately thought of Kyle and Oblivion. It looks like, to me, it looked like Oblivion first and foremost, yeah. too. Yeah, it kind of looks like him. And didn't Oblivion, wasn't he just like raw power without temperance? Uh, it, I mean, it's, some, it's been a while since I've read those, which is odd because... As much as I love the Power of Ion series, those Oblivion issues take place only like two or three issues before that. Yeah, because I mean, the first, the first, well, no, never mind. Am I think I'm thinking of Emerald Knights? Emerald Knights, and then before that is Future Shock, and he gets sent into the future because he's battling Oblivion. No, he doesn't. He gets sent into the future because he's battling Graven. Oh yes, Graven. Okay, All right, 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 right. Okay. Sorry, I just happened. I just. <laughs> uh... <clears throat> But well, the original Oblivion was created just from what from when Kyle was dreaming. All the stuff Kyle would dream about subconsciously, and and, and he would basically. I I'm trying to remember. I'm assuming he His had own the ring. Fears. Yeah, I'm assuming he had the ring on when he slept, which is one of countless reasons why you shouldn't keep the ring on when you sleep. 
But, well, how to be fair, in the in the sixties, Hal Jordan didn't keep his ring on when he slipped, and he, he still turned Tom Kalmico into a freaking seagull. Yeah, I know that's true, but uh, <laughs> but it does help. It, it decreases the chances of that if you don't put the ring. <laughs> but I think it's just all all yes, all Kyle's fears and all his all his anxieties, and they all kind of all the energy kind of pooled and when and created oblivion. Um, but yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think what what I what I liked about this issue. I I like this issue a lot less than um, I like this issue a lot less even I think <laughs> than the than the last one. Um, I do like once we. I will acknowledge even though I'm still not going to do the reveal until we get to, to do the next ep- the next issue in this episode that I do like that there are more hints about Sarko's lineage. Uh, here that now once you get to reveal in, in the next issue you go back and you and you kind of understand then the dots make more sense because up to this point everything's pointing in one direction who who his father probably is and then you know obviously we get you get thrown a slight curveball once we get to the next issue uh, I don't like the art that much in this issue I actually did like the art in the previous issues better I. I do like the idea that, you know, it is, again, Hal being responsible indirectly, you know, directly slash indirectly for creating, you know, the prison beasts and, and the thing with the gauntlet. We kind of knew nothing, we kind of knew nothing good could come from wearing the gauntlet at the end of the day. <laughs> and now we can, we get more proof of it. So I did, I do like the fact that the, you know, the, that he had an effect on the, on the gauntlet, just like the gauntlet had an effect on him. I kind of, that kind of, Makes sense too, which might potentially explain might potentially explain why the gauntlet technology was never kind of really <laughs> taken to another level after Krona first invented it. So, I those those things were those things were interesting. I, I something else that was interesting actually, what? and I've never I mean it I've always accepted it. Um, heads up, everybody. I'm reading a lot of Silver Age issues right now, and what I'm doing is I'm making like a list. Of all the shit the ring can do. And at some point, don't hold me to 2017 or anything because I want to make sure I have this list down pat. I'm going to do like a list of all things the ring can do. A list of like, I'm going to do like a uh, a tally checklist of all the crazy shit Carol does. <laughs> you know, Carol did something crazy this issue. Tally, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But one of, at some point, I'd like to do, like, an episode where, like, I go through this list with, like, you and Jim and Dan, and we can call it, like, can the ring still do that? You know, just yep. kind of, if, if we're not, if we're not going to give be given a freaking Green Lantern Bible, maybe we can kind of, sort of, come up with our own. You know, based on our own experience in reading this, you, you get the idea. Yes. But I'm, I'm reading this, and you know what I'm thinking is, how does the ring store or cover the um, civilian wear of a lantern. Because we know their suit is made of energy. Their green lantern suit. Same with the yellow lanterns. Uh, That all works the same. But in terms of their civilian garb, it's all different colors. So it can't be made of the energy of the ring. Because the ring can only produce certain colors. So... Which, by the way, if anybody remembers, uh, the ring can produce the uh, stealth mode stuff, where you go mostly black instead of mostly green, you know, that kind of a thing. But anyways, so does it, like, 
does the ring do kind of pull like a kind of 60s move where like you could turn Hal into energy and store himself within the ring? Or does it like, you know, put the, the, the core suit over your civilian garb and then kind of like vacuum seal it to your body so there's like no creases and a bunch of stuff? <laughs> like I know, I know it's kind of crazy, but, but that's what it seems like. About because, it. That's because what it seems like. Because... The way it works for Flash is his, he's got a friction proof suit in his ring that when he opens it, it comes super, you know, super undone and stuff, and he can change into it. But then he stores his ring, his civilian garb, within the ring. However, there's been two ways it's been done. It's been like that, where he stores his, Flash stores his civilian garb within the ring, as well as there have been instances where, I think it was during Wally's tenure, I don't think Barry ever figured out how to do this, but Wally could, like, vibrate and store the molecules of his civilian garb within himself. And then after he changed out of the suit, he could vibrate some more. And then the I, – I, I forget the mechanics of how it worked, but somehow he stored it within himself by temporal vib- – not temporal because it's time travel, but by, um, by vibrating. But I never actually questioned how it works with the ring. That's a good point. So yeah, I'd be interested to to figure all that out, and I doubt we'll get like a story arc explaining it. Maybe uh, maybe the Chad Lantern will say something. <laughs> maybe that's why that lantern exists. I'm, I'm putting a big hat on my own shoulders here, but uh, <laughs> it's the logical based uh, lantern. So. Anytime Venditti wants to communicate something to us, he'll use the Chad Lantern to say something <laughs> super, super logical slash sar- like utterly sarcastic. <laughs> like here you go, you fucker. <laughs> this is this is how I explain this. <laughs> Which means in three issues from now, the Chad Lantern will die a horrible death. <laughs> yeah. Read into it as you may. <laughs> uh, uh, DC interoffice memo from Eddie Berganza. Kill that lantern immediately. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying something I interrupted, but like, yeah, I, I thought that'd be interesting is, is, is it, I've always, I've, I've always just accepted it, but I don't think we've ever gotten an explanation unless it happened early in the Jeff Johns run. And he just had so many issues. I forgot one of the billion things he revealed of how that works. That's that, but that was a good point though. Um, and at some point, we definitely should do that. Can the ring still do that? It was... I don't know. This issue didn't do that much for me. No, it didn't do much for me either. And that's what I'm saying about this. This is a four-issue story arc. I don't care much about Sarko, even after the reveal. I don't care too much. The only thing that's kind of interesting to me is the... Uh, <clears throat> is the... Um, the sort of half-explanation of what was happening to Hal when he be started becoming like a being of pure, pure willpower. But it's not really. So it's kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of a back and forth there. Um, so we kind of get an explanation, but it, it almost doesn't answer our questions, but kind of does and gives us even more questions to think about. Right. Like is, is all that energy gone in Hal now? I mean, is that what it was? Basically, once he got rid of the gauntlet, he was living on bar time until he expelled all that energy, and once he used it to wipe out Sinestro and go into the and go into Emerald Space, 
that pretty much was the last of his of his becoming one with Will, which is why they haven't friggin' touched it since, other than this half-ass explanation. <laughs> yeah, and plus, I mean, so Sarko, we get, you know, that's that aspect of the storyline gets wrapped up fairly quickly. Enough for us to not even really care about him, except for outside the logistics of the reveal. And then the... What do we even want to call this creature? Because it's not given a name. So, I, I don't know, the... Crolivian? I was thinking that too. I just didn't know how how, how it was pronounced. <laughs> Crolivian? Uh, yeah, Crolivian, whatever. Uh, and this Crolivian thing is taken care of pretty quickly as well. There is a hint that it could be coming back, uh, which we'll get to when we cover the final issue. Yeah, another great decision in the making. <laughs> run, um, Barry, run! <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So there's, there's all of that, but at the same time, like, it's just... We got a bunch here, but there wasn't really much substance here. Um, these creatures, these prism beasts, uh, uh, Crolivian, um, uh, <laughs> the stuff with Kyle and Sora. Like, if you think about it, every single one of these aspects in this issue is nothing but setup. Which is the only thing this story did was served to give us a reference point for how and why the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lantern Corps start getting along. So we don't get a billion issues of them just bitching at each other the entire time. And if we do, it's going to be like kind of like respectful admiration bitching of the way Gordon's son and Space Ape, you know, kind of are, or our Kilo and Guy. But it's not going to be out now just warring between them however with upcoming solicits you know it seems like that piece isn't going to last very long yeah i hear you <clears throat> anything else about this issue or should we move on to the uh the closing the here? grand finale with uh, <laughs> uh obliviona or whatever <laughs> it makes him sound like a girl i know <laughs> now let's let's just let's just move to the Super exciting conclusion to the story arc. Where the hell are this, all the where the hell are the creative team at the end on the last page? For what it's worth, uh, I don't know if it, let's see. I'm not doing the editors. The the final part, by the way, is called Gauntlet. <laughs> Venditti, Marion, Vines, Ribeiro, Sharp. Uh, the cover, which is good, Van Skyver and Jason Wright. The variant cover, of course, Kevin Nolan. Please get a new variant cover artist. Andrew and, yes, I said, uh, the editing trio remains the same. Here's another thing which is starting to get on my nerves about of these these generic, super, on super supposedly impressive ways of describing how fast and how incredible the Green Lanterns are traveling. <laughs> it begins with traversing the universe's transluminal pathways at speeds incalculable. <laughs> Yeah, that last part, incalculable, is bullshit. All you need to do for Lantern fans, we know the transluminal stuff. We get it. Move on. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be traveling transluminally at a bunch of different speeds, unless you want to take the whole, uh, was it Star Trek, be, was it uh, Into Darkness, where like they're going warp speed, they can't catch up with this, and he's like, oh no, he's got a super warp. <laughs> like, How the hell did cool pull as that one off? As cool as, as cool visually as that uh, as that uh, Federation ship was going up against the Enterprise, if you really think about it, Super Warp is kind of a stupid idea. 
They're down no. on the up, up to 11, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus. <clears throat> All I got to do is say transluminal. We get it. So Hal is flying his construct his constructs jet with uh, Rip Hunter being the backseat driver, and <laughs> I like this all this time like Rip Hunter's going nothing's changed nothing's changed <laughs> it's like it's like checking your watch like every five minutes are we clo- are we there are we closer are we closer it's like no we're still a long ways away uh, it's like and you know he just keeps reiterating which we've already been told that you know today is the day the green lantern corps is going you know basically <laughs> the future is going to be set that, and they're going to disappear from existence and <clears throat> how kind of I, li- and I do kind of like this part where how kind of points out that you know that a he doesn't get boxed in by the facts which also kind of makes him look stupid and i that's kind of a borderline thing too but you know rip hunter trust also tries to say you know I do, i'm just merely suggesting that you know basically you know, going, you know, trying to confront him to retrieve the gauntlet and everything may not be, you know, may not be the best, you know, idea or the greatest chance of success. And that's when Hal points out, you know, you know, that all Green Lanterns are not the same. You know, there are many ways to challenge Will, just as there's many Lanterns doing it. And I kind of like this little, it's pretty much a rehash, but it's it, it's a good rehash. How, how Guy pretty much, you know, is the one who... He always steps in the line of fire, and he basically he'll he'll take he'll take he'll step up and take the beatings in the in the bruising, so nobody else has to. Uh, as opposed to Kyle being a dick to Hal all the time lately, Hal throws Kyle a big bone by saying that all that Kyle just wants to do what's right, simple as that, to help people, and how John is meticulous. You know, he he's patient, he makes a plan, and he and, you know, and he waits till the right moment to to implement the plan and strike. And of course, Hal, when when asked, you know, what when he's asked by Rip, what about you? He goes, "Me, I don't lose." <laughs> so don't tell me about foregone conclusions. And another, and another thing, it may just be me, me going after Sarko, but when you're in the Green Lantern Corps, you're never alone. So on Mogo, we have all the Prism Beasts pretty much surrounding the D, the D-ringed Sinestro and Green Lantern Corps, who are trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to approach this. They got Tomar too there, kind of hiding in in the in the forest of Mogo with his ring. Foreshadowing. Yes. Which, and let me point out that I don't like, we already know bad stuff's going to happen with, to, with Tomar. That the, I think Tomar is turning to the dark side here and I don't like it. Let me point that out. <laughs> well, I, you know, and, and just because, so like, it's ridiculous. Cause I was actually on the DC website today trying to, you know, uh, I, I was looking for the cover images of all these issues so I could do it for our album art, right? So I, I skip ahead because I don't get previews anymore. So I'm trying to see, you know, what's upcoming in the Green Lantern story. There are certain issues they already have the covers up for and certain issues they're withholding the covers for. One of the issues they don't have the cover for is the upcoming issue that starts delving into this next arc. Not this next next issue where it, it's got the really cool cover of Hal and Sora, but the, the, the one after that. And it's blank, and it says somebody like betrays the core or whatever, or kills somebody or something like that. But the, there's no cover displayed. However, the very next issue keeps that vague solicitation, but the cover image is Tomar two in handcuffs on yeah, trial. That's true. I have seen that. I have seen that cover. Yeah. So what the holy hell? <laughs> but yeah. I guess technically now that everything's online, I guess it's technically our fault for looking for that information. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess we have to, when you actively look at that, I guess you have to expect some sort of potential spoilering. But at the same time, 
if you're trying to be deliberately vague on your own website like that, maybe don't like, maybe stay consistent with that. <laughs> so, I don't know. And they've, and they've, and let's be honest, they've been, they've, since the last arc, they've been setting up Tomar going off the deep end for whatever, which is really odd because you, you had that moment. I guess they're going to tie it into maybe his maybe maybe his mother rejecting him and not forgiving him, despite the fact that he helped save Zudar. Well, no, I think it's going to be Tomar versus Romat. Well, I think so too. But I then, wouldn't be surprised if I <clears throat> didn't. Wait, hold. How did how did Tomar Ray die in our in this new universe continuity? Did it, did he just like become an old lantern and die, or did, I can't remember? Did Romat no, I, I kill? Think, I forget. He got killed. I'm pretty sure. I just don't remember how. Um, but but, don't but I'm sorry to interrupt, but like this, this like just speaking of the Tomar thing, foreshadowing brought that up in my mind. I was like, are you, "Freaking DC, are you kidding me right now?" <clears throat> but whatever. But there, but there also was something. But they've already started this because of what like the conversation between Tomar and whoever his partner is saying that you basically keep your mouth shut. So, so, yeah. so Tomar, whether it's related to Romat or not, he's already done something that he shouldn't have done, and and or not. Not going by the not going by the procedure, you know. So and plus here, uh, John has given an order to the entire corps to lay down their rings, and he's still got his on. Yeah, he has his. So he's disobeying a direct order, and he's lurking in the woods now with the others. So that kind of automatically makes you look sneaky. It'd be different if he just landed on the planet, and, but we know that he didn't. So, um, or we don't. There's no reason to think that he did, but either way, he's just kind of he's literally out there, out there in the woods in the wilderness. Uh, so at this point, pretty much, they're not since they can't, or they don't feel comfortable using their rings. John and <laughs> John and Guy pretty much start grabbing at anything they can find, you know, t- to attack. You know, using their fists, using wood, using branches, using pretty much everything they can find to start attacking the the prison beasts. Meanwhile, in the infirmary, uh, you know, Kyle points out, you know, the wounded are as safe as they can be. The rest of our friends need help. Uh, of course, Kyle hasn't laid down his ring yet either, which he wouldn't have heard that, but maybe he he, he, he might have been able to see it even if his ring didn't tell him about it. But even, even though, to be fair, they do take their rings off when they go leaping into action. But then they have another really horribly, horribly stupid moment where, oh, just they don't say it, but it's kind of like, oh, just in case we don't make it out of this alive. And, and Sora goes and kisses Kyle, and Kyle kisses him back. Oh, this book is making me sick. So they, they take their rings off, they go leaping into action. Now back in space sector five six three, now and some of some of these descriptions I don't know. <laughs> a once insignificant world now the birthplace of cataclysm. <laughs> Holy hyperbole, Batman! Is, is that his name now? Cataclysm? I wouldn't be surprised. It'd make more sense to just call him Gauntlet. That's not a bad name. It's not, but it makes more I sense to I say Colin Gauntlet. I don't think, unless we find it again in this book, I don't think that's what his name is supposed to be. I just think that they're talking about, you know, the birthplace of, like, a cataclysm, even though, uh, but either way. It, it, the beginning it, of the end for these cores. Yeah, yeah. That's, what I, that's the way I read it, but it is possible. When he f- comes back again, that may very well be his name. Um, so, yeah, we have we have uh, Sarko there, you know, waxing poetic again about... Uh, you know, Mogo will be burnt to a cinder, and on the ashes I will build a new Sinestro Corps, one loyal, you know, only to the fearsome intentions of the great Sinestro himself. At this point, you know, Hal comes, Hal comes roaring in with a uh, Rip Hunter and a little green bubble. I like that. I do kind of like the fact, and this is kind of interesting once we get to the reveal, 
because when you're at this point kind of thinking that you know Sinestro might be direct might be this guy's dad that it kind of makes it more intro- makes it more logical in a way how Sarko keeps having no problem referring to him as the greatest Green Lantern because you could see him saying it dripping with sarcasm <laughs> so it makes sense but once we get the reveal it kind of opens the door for I mean, it's not necessarily. It just opens the door to be interpreted, I think, a few different ways. Why, you know, it's been ingrained in Sarko so much who the greatest Green Lantern is. Uh, so Hal at this point sees, you know, sees Chrono's gauntlet. Uh, <laughs> Chrono Livy in there. <laughs> uh, you know, so um, meanwhile, you know, back back on Mogo, you know, the Lanterns are doing everything that doing everything they can against the prison beasts. It's not really working. Now, Sora and Kyle come roaring in, packing heat, and they raided the weapons locker. So every, every, everybody's got weapons and 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 doing the doing the best they can here. But, of course, the, you know, the prison beasts are kind of like fighting back pretty well, taking out Sora, taking out, taking out Kyle to a certain extent. I do like the fact that the prison beasts in particular do not go after Sora, and of course we find out why in a few, in, you know, in a few in a few minutes. Uh, John, you know, John gets taken down. Guy, you know, guy starts getting getting trapped. Um, on around John's neck is the ring of the Rip Hunter brought, and Kyle's going, you know, Rip's ring it knows everything, the future of the Green Lantern Corps. So, so he grabs it, and. You know, you know, John's like, don't, don't Kyle, you know, give Hal more time, and Kyle just grabs it, and, you know, you know tell, tell me how to stop this thing. How do I save my friend from Sarko? And because, you know, and Lan- you know, Lan- you know, Lan- Honor Guard Lantern Kyle Rayner authenticated, and all of a sudden the ring starts shooting out energy and through him and through Sora, and basically goes tar- targets identified for termination, and then you then you kind of see a little basically a birth chart here. Where you see Aaron, Sir, and Thal Sinestro, who who equated to Soranicnatu, and Soranicnatu, you clearly see is the mother of Sarko, but conveniently enough, you don't see who the father is, and we don't see who the father is. Uh, Kyle sees this and he goes, "That's not, you know, that's, you know, that's not, that's not true. That's impossible." <laughs> um. So, which ring does Kyle put on? He he puts his own ring back on. That's what I thought uh, because the. the the other ring is still sitting on the ground on the on the like the ball chain. So Kyle right. puts his own ring. That's what I thought to begin with, but I had doubts just on the way it happened instantaneously. But then once I wanted to double check, so Kyle puts his Green Lantern ring back on. He flies off, kind of like abandon, abandoning everybody else in a fight. That's really good. Back in five six three, uh, Hal's engaging you know the the gauntlet in, in a in a big fight here. Pretty much. Um, the lanterns on Mogo are kind of are kind of kind of running out of ideas. I like the fact that Rip Hunter kind of slips into his Mickey mode from Rocky over here, going faster, faster, because <laughs> they're running out of time. Um, you know, Hal, you know, Hal's you know pretty much able to uh, he, he's able to penetrate what penetrate the shield right somehow, and Rip he rips off the gauntlet off the. Chronolivian's hand. He tears. He tears the, ga- the the gauntlet away from the the energy pack. The you know the, the connection there. He breaks it, and all of a sudden you know uh, the prison beast starts. The prison beast starts becoming deactivated. Uh, Chronolivian starts becoming starts fading away or d- just being destroyed. Uh, meanwhile, you know all, all the. 
I think just it's just the energy that's shooting out in general from the from Krona, the Krona Livian thing that blasts Sarko. Uh, at this point, I kind of I kind of liked that when everybody on Mogo was like, uh, "He did it, Hal did it." And guys like figures it wouldn't be a crisis if Jordan didn't get all the credit. <laughs> that part I liked. Um, Hal, Hal. Rip and uh, Space Ape, and I'm assuming, yeah, there's Goran's son. They approach the dying Sarko. At that moment, you know, we, we kind of find out why, where, why Kyle flew off into space to begin with. And Kyle arrives, and he's too late. And Sarko just makes a comment, yeah, ha, you're, actually, you're, you're just in time. Sarko dies. Um, <clears throat> you know, Kyle's, I mean, Hal's just kind of like, it's all right, Kyle, you know, we'll, and Hal, uh, Kyle's like, no, it's not Hal, I, I can't, I can't. I can't just leave him here. Uh, we cut back to Mogo. Uh, everybody, you know, John, you know, John thanks Rip Hunter for the help, and he, he hands Rip Hunter the Green Lantern ring, and you know, Rip's like, ah, yes, it's like leaving to be in, leaving this in the wrong hands would be, a, you know, be a great temptation, you know, to look into basically to un, to know what's going to happen in the future and everything else. And he goes, you're as ethical as you as you were when we when we first meet. And John's like, don't give me two credit. And it's like, I thought long and hard about downloading its data before going giving it back. And <laughs> Rip's like, oh, I never doubted you for a moment. So long, my friend. We see, uh, you know, Hal returns the, the disconnected, broken gauntlet, you know, to the uh, maximum security vault on Mogo. Uh, pretty much John and, um, John and Guy start talking about about things how, you know, it would have been real nice to, like, know the winner, like, in the next 25, 20 Super Bowls, and it's not like, it's not like the Green Lantern Corps comes with a pension. I like that. And we get, then we move over to the final reveal, the last splash page of the issue, where we see Kyle, I guess, in his, I guess in his, in his chambers on Mogo, with his mask off, covering his face, kind of you know, upset, and we find out that, my son, Sarko was my son. The end. Yeah. <clears throat> Woohoo! Um. Oh. <laughs> Never a good sign. <laughs> yeah. The the you know the interesting thing of the gauntlet humming to life there at the end. That's you know obviously future setup. Sarko going down that easily and almost making it seem like. Um. This was his plan all along to die. You know that kind of a situation. Uh, that <clears throat> that obviously sets up. I mean, like I said, this whole thing is set up. Um, there's no real, and you know, I'll I'll say this because I don't think he didn't do it. But do you think John is being honest when he says he didn't peek at the information in that ring? Because I'm under the impression it's going to become a Deus Ex Machina in a future storyline. Maybe not the next storyline, but the maybe like the New Gods storyline where things get super desperate and John all of a sudden goes like makes a call that everybody's like, wait, what? You know, how do they you know that they would attack you know here or whatever? And he's gonna be like, well, you know, kind of peeked at the future. I'm gonna say that he didn't peek in the future because they saw, because they still have a way to work around it because Kyle could have got more information out of it before. Yeah instantaneously or a few different a few little tidbits a few little tidbits before he ripped that thing off he may have he may have gotten a few more little bits of information besides just the family tree of Sarko so I um 
I'm also kind of curious about this, the way Kyle reacts. Like, yeah, Sarko's your son, but you just figured that out. Like, I, I, look, don't get me wrong, I'm not a parent, but obviously all I have to go on is television or whatever. But, like, in scenarios like, just for, for instance, did you ever watch that TV show Parenthood? No. Okay. So in Parenthood, Dax Shepard plays one of the, uh, one of the, uh, siblings. Uh, and somewhere through like the first season or so, he gets introduced to like his five, six year old son, um, that he had with a dancer a long time ago, but he's never met him until now. But he, he actually, you know, he makes an effort. He tries, he's trying to grow up. He's the youngest, he's one of the younger siblings. He's the screw up in the family, one of the black sheeps, but he's trying to make an effort with his son. So, you know, this is my son. I need to get to know him and try and spend time with him. But, like, for, like, a season and a half, he's wrestling with the idea of, I don't feel this innate connection to my son that supposedly every other parent has. And, you know, his older brother is like, well, you know, you just met the kid. You know, you, you, you kind of jumped in in the middle. You know, you weren't there to see him be born and, and all this other stuff. So I'm also wondering, like, how can, because of things like that, I'm also wondering, like, how Kyle can have a reaction like this. Like, he looks like... Like, like he literally lost his son that, you know, he was there for all of his life. But I think if he, if, if they're trying to portray it in such a way that he's like, he's, he's reacting this way because it means there's a future for him and Sora, but it's, it's, it's a pain filled future, not necessarily as a reaction to his son dying because he doesn't really know his son, but just the sort of pain that's coming his way, him and his future i mean it doesn't necessarily say they're married but him and his potential future wife's life is going to be filled with this sort of betrayal and and all this other stuff i think there might have been a better way to portray it but with his mask on the floor and the way he says it and his dark room and his head in his hands i mean it's it's like he's weeping for a son he has always had i think it's a i think it's just a shock to the system I think that's what I think it is, probably because he never figured he was going to have – he probably never really imagined at this point that he's going to really ever have a kid or settle down enough. What I what I don't like about it at all, besides the reasons I've already mentioned, how how, how heavy-handed this is and how I – mean, the whole, rela- the whole re- reigniting of their flame between Sora and Kyle was forced and a little bit unrealistic anyway. In this time, in this the time frame that they're doing it in, now we see they did it exactly for a reason to have this kind of oh this powerful reveal, and at the same time, they're kind of setting it up now where you have two possibilities with with Kyle and Sora, either despite the fact that he started putting the moves on her, once he finds this out, now all of a sudden he's going to start putting the moves not on her anymore and start pulling away from her again, which is going to make him look like a dick. Which I don't care all that much about, but it, but it's but it sucks for Sora, and or he's not or he's going to be somewhat cautious. He's going to not he's going to be at least for a while. He's not going to be very open with his feelings, but he's still going to be with her. But then she's going to find out this crap, and we're going to be back in the same boat again. Well, once again, Kyle kept something from her, and and or lied to her about stuff that he never should have, and they're going to be back in the same boat again anyway. So it yeah. it it's just it's just. For, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Like I said, one, the only thing I did, when, 
going back, looking at, you know, when you picked up on the art, the art, you know, when they're talking about, oh, my father was an artful storyteller, which is kind of an interesting, obviously it was a play on words with the art, with the artful, even though Kyle's more of a cartoonist than he is a writer. I mean, if you're doing your own, if you're doing your own strip, you are right. You know, you are right. It is writing too, not just art. But Kyle's a graphic designer. Yes, he's done cartoons in the past. Right, but you're right. But I'm just saying, just based on. <clears throat> but he does like logos and cartoons, and I mean, he does magazine cover designs. I mean, he's he's kind of the full breadth. Right, but if you, but my point was, if you do, if at least when you're looking at it from a cartoon point of view, then you're doing the art and you're writing the stories. If you're just doing yeah. the art, then it's hard to say you're an artful storyteller. Kind of sort. I mean, yes, you can. The same way, you know, Ethan Van Skyver is a good, you know, storyteller. If you if you want to use that kind of terminology, the artful storyteller, even though he's not writing the story, but yeah. he's illustrating it, so it is a play on words. But well, it's here's all- how I picture it. You know, Kyle as a father, I'm assuming that there's like some time lapse. I don't know. I don't know necessarily know or believe that if this future is true, that Kyle is green is a Green Lantern while he's the father of Sarko, like the entire time. But I'm assuming that there's some sort of overlap. Because in my mind, one of the things I want to do when I have kids someday, um, which I hope I can, and all this other stuff, but <clears throat> is I've always I've already thought in my mind like, okay, at what age am I going to start telling them bedtime stories that I know they're going to remember? You know what? You know, there's there's an age where you're reading them books and they just fall asleep, and there's an age where they finally get this point where they start remembering. You know, Dad read me this story every night; it was my favorite story. You know, they remember that years on. And one of the things I want to do is tell my future son or daughter, you know, a bedtime story like, you know, the story of Krypton and Superman, you know, because in my mind, I think that'd be like a cool visual for them to think of this, you know, little rocket with a baby and it just jetting out towards space and, you know, stuff like that. But I kind of put Kyle in the same situation in my head. Like if there's an overlap of him being a Green Lantern, he's telling bedtime stories to his son Sarko. And as he's telling him these stories, he's creating constructs. Showing yeah, him I can see that. I can what see happened. That. So artful storyteller, because Kyle creates intricate, you know, stuff all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if there's an overlap of him being a father and a lantern, that he's doing stuff like that. No, I think I think I think that makes sense. I think, again, I think it's interesting depending on what the uh, what the rationale is or the. Of how obviously Kyle has been has, well, Kyle it doesn't it doesn't have to really just be Kyle. This is what we have to look at too, the idea that he he only really mentions his father, he doesn't really mention his mother, which is which is kind of interesting. But it doesn't just have to be coming from Kyle about how Hal is the greatest Green Lantern, because Sora could have told him that too. There's another hint too um, that it's not Sinestro. Because one of the things Sarko says, I think it's in this issue. I closed it out on my phone, so it wasn't taking up too much battery. Um, <clears throat> one of the things Sarko says is that Hal told my father yes, yes. where the, the gauntlet was. Yep. Yeah, why would Hal ever tell Sinestro yes. such crucial information? Yeah, that was a, that was the first major, the first major hint that it was not going to be Sinestro. When in the beginning, they clearly were setting it up where you would assume it was it was Sinestro. Yeah. Uh, so they were clearly 
That, that clearly, uh, understandably so. I mean, that was clever. That was well done. They clearly were trying to do a red herring on that, making you automatically assume that it would be Sinestro because it, it would be logical. That, uh, but yeah, so, but it is interesting that if it, <clears throat> if it is a Kyle who first and foremost is telling uh, Sarko about how being, you know, being the greatest Green Lantern is kind of like the, you know, the context of that. Is it whether he's, you know, he's being 100% dead serious or is he kind of, do, you know, or is it, or is he kind of doing it almost either like tongue in cheek or with a little bit of attitude? So with Kyle, it's kind of hard. The, but the relationship we see between Kyle, I can't even say between Hal and Kyle now, it's more between Kyle and Hal. It's how Hal, I mean, it's how Kyle is reacting to it. That it does make you wonder. It does make you wonder. I like to give the, give him the benefit of the doubt to assume that this is the older, more mature Kyle who just will openly, you know, kind of just acknowledges what, you know, that Kyle, that Hal was, you know, the greatest Green Lantern. But it is just interesting that 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 part of the story coming from uh, Kyle. Yeah, another interesting aspect too to me. Speaking of characterization, is kind of the 180 we're getting. Like, <clears throat> let's face it. As much as we'd like to see some some complexity to him, Hal is an easy character to write. I mean, th- what he is is so basic that if you're writing a story with him in it, but there are other lanterns, you can be forgiven for sacrificing personality moments, character moments on Hal, because you can get away with using him in such a very basic daredevil, you know, leaping off into battle type of a guy. <clears throat> Um, Guy, I like how they're they're doing Guy. I really like that I don't see much of, if any, a difference between this guy and the guy we saw in the Emerald Warriors comic, which is when I actually started to care about and like Guy Gardner, <clears throat> for the most part. Um, it's also interesting to me, too, the way they characterize John, because I'm kind of 50-50 about it. They are playing up the military strategist, the leader thing in a more complex way, but it's still all he is, which I don't like that aspect. They're doing a better job of portraying that side of him. The guy that's capable of making the hard calls, the guy with a plan, you know, so on and so forth. But outside of that, there's not much else there to him. And that's not how I see John because I can see John in that respect, but I also remember the John Stewart who met up with Alan and Kyle and Guy at Warriors for a pint every now and then. I remember the guy that was dating Marin and went out clubbing with Kyle and uh, and Jade. You know, I remember the sociable, fun John Stewart who, when the chips are down, he's the guy you want there. In, in you know, you can rely on him to make a tough call and and all this other stuff. But there is another side to him. And it's kind of a shame that we haven't been getting that from him. And I don't think I don't think we've seen it at all in this Venditti Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps series. I don't think we saw it during Edge of Oblivion or Lost Army. Uh, and it's you know I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if it it's, goes back even further than that. There are moments. We're like, Guy says something snippy to John, and John will retort back with kind of a half smirk on his face. But as, uh, although that's cool, that's not that's not enough. 
you can't just make him that because as much as I like the the Hal Jordan Devil May Care, you know, kind of you know test pilot guy, there's still to me there's still a critical aspect of Hal that loves the core that has a weird relationship with Batman that loves his niece and nephew to death, loves his brother. You know, there are aspects of Hal outside of his devil may care attitude that I really enjoy and would like to see every now and then. But it, just because of where all these stories are taking place, I'm not going to get it. But John, we could, because there's so much focus on John and because he's around Kilowog and Guy and Kyle and Hal, we have opportunities to showcase those moments with him. And we're not getting it, especially with him as leader of the Corps. You know, there were, that's, that's also kind of an issue of there being storyline after storyline after storyline after storyline instead of like one off downtime issues with maybe some action happening because I guess DC doesn't think they can sell a downtime issue anymore. Um, but, you know, them all, I mean, how awesome would it be if Guy started up Warriors again on, on Mogo? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I'm just, again, throwing out ideas. Because of the stuff that I like about Hal outside of his devil may care attitude, most of that revolves around his family and Earth and stuff like that. Those are the other aspects I want to see. Well, Hal's not on Earth, so I'm not going to get a lot of that. But John is a corpsman, and I don't just mean a Green Lantern corpsman. He's a Marine Corps guy. And the bond that the people in the armed services, specifically Marines, have with each other is so tight, I would love to see that aspect of John show up in this book because yes, he is the leader of the Green Lantern Corps, but he's known Guy and Kilowog and Kyle and everybody for years and he has a deep bond and affection for them. And I'd love to see that shown again. But outside of those three, Hal, Kyle, and John, I mean, uh, Hal, Hal, John, and uh, Guy, I feel like they're really missing the mark with Kyle. Yeah, they're doing a really, they're doing a pretty, I think they're doing a pretty crappy job in, in writing Kyle across the board. Uh, as he wasn't, I mean, other than the, you know, the, the dick waving between him and Hal, he, he was a White Lantern. It wasn't so bad. I think as a, I think as, now that he's become green, I think in a way it's kind of, it's kind of gotten worse. The way, yeah. he, the way he's being characterized. Yeah. I think you know there's there's a certain aspect to Kyle when he's torchbearer that you can you can kind of put him on his own and then have him meet up with Kyle and John and Guy I mean uh, Hal and John and Guy but there's he's still separate enough from them that there's no proving ground needed but when you put him on the same page like it, I keep flashing back to that scene in Rebirth where Hal is back again excuse me back again as Green Lantern you know not as Parallax not as the Spectre, he's completely resurrected and free of those influences completely. And Kyle and Hal shake hands for the first time. And Kyle says something like, wait, you know, before we head off and do all this, you know, I, I'm not really Green Lantern. You know, I, I, I'm just kind of the guy that's been holding the door open waiting for you to come back. And Hal says something to the effect of, well, what do you think you've been doing <laughs> all this time? You know, he, Kyle's like, I'm not a hero. And that is the relation, a part of, a big part of the relationship I remember and has really stuck with me between Hal and Kyle. So the fact that 
any sort of animosity would be between those two guys is is ridiculous to me. Especially when, let's be blunt, if there's going to be animosity, it should be on Hal's end for what Kyle was doing with Carol. True. But honestly, I don't – and that's kind of I, – I agree with that. But also at the same time, I don't see Hal as that petty. And when he, when he was being that petty, when those storylines were happening, I was annoyed with him. No, I agree with you. I don't think I don't. I think knowing the way Hal is now, he would ultimately say, "Well, he would blame himself and say, I can't blame, I can't blame Carol. I can't blame, I can't blame Kyle. I blame myself because if I was taking care taking care of business and not and not being absentee and not as dedicated or committed or involved, then he, she wouldn't be looking elsewhere to begin with." Yeah. And plus, it, it with the relationship he had with Kyle too was such that I was like, I mean. If if an ex of mine that I cared very deeply for had you know really written me off you know just truly and I knew it just it's not going to happen again would I rather her end up with some random guy or some guy like like if she's going to stay in my life I'd much rather her be with somebody I know and can trust who's like a brother to me it's not going to be just some guy who's going to sleep with her and you know say all right I nailed your ex bro you know like that kind of a thing. It's going to be somebody who I know is going to treat him right. So it's like that, that aspect. I mean, we're talking obviously new 52 stuff at this point, but it's just like, you know, that's, that's not the relationship that Kyle and, and Hal have ever had where it would, it didn't make sense to me when he was mad at Kyle and, and it doesn't make sense the other way around that Kyle, you know, it does make sense because it's always been an aspect of Kyle, which I wish, wish they'd get over. But realistically speaking, it's always been an aspect of Kyle that he feels that he has to prove himself. But it's never been an aspect of Kyle that he has to feel he feels he has to prove himself by knocking other people down. He just thinks to himself, I'm not good enough. He doesn't go, I'm not good enough. But hey, you're no you're not great either. That's not who he is. So. Yeah. I agree. Um, why why wouldn't they have destroyed the gauntlet? Realistically, why, why would they not have completely annihilated the gauntlet? Why would they even keep it? Could they destroy the gauntlet is probably the better question. Doesn't look like they tried. True, but, I mean, just speaking to Guardian Tech, you know, can you destroy... I mean, we've seen it before, obviously, but I'm just talking... You never know what they've changed up in recent continuity. They change crap up all the time now. We've talked about that a billion times. Is it something they even can destroy? It's one of the first prototype things, and it was created by Krona himself back before the core even existed. Its power is so prototype-based and basic that it's just, you know, if you were to destroy it, it'd be like setting off a nuclear bomb times 20, you know? Are, you know, just I mean, I'm not saying that that's what it is, but I'm saying I would not be surprised if it's one of those pieces of ancient guardian tech that is either a incapable of being destroyed, or b if it was destroyed, it's too risky. I guess it's possible, but considering almost everything else, the guardianship bolts has been able to be destroyed, including central yeah. power batteries and OWA and everything, and. I, I would have a hard time believing it couldn't be destroyed, and at the very least, don't you think logic would dictate you'd want to keep you would want to keep the pieces separated, just to play it safe? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, sure. sort of. I mean, best case, I mean, the dumbest thing to do, I mean, the, the smartest, dumbest thing to do would be keep it in the same friggin' vault, but on, on opposite sides or in different cases. But would it not make sense to at least do some, I mean, I don't know. That, that, to me, that just flew in the face of logic right in the, right, right in the get-go. Um, so, I don't know. I, that, yeah. that didn't make a lot of sense to me. That was just like, oh, you know, we're doing this just so we can bring the, you know, just so we can bring the gauntlet back and or give it to somebody else down the road. And it's like, come on, that was a little too, that was a little too like in your face with it. So that yeah. I didn't. So outside of that, I don't really have anything else to say about this. So what did so what did you think about the? So did you so. Cutting to the chase, did you think this was a yet another arc that had a really strong beginning and interesting premise that, that crashed and burned, for the most part? Uh, interesting premise. I do care about Rip Hunter. I do watch the Legends of Tomorrow TV series. Um, and of all, and I'm going to say of all current, because they will be doing a Black Lightning series uh, pretty soon. Uh, so all, of all current DC, uh, CW series, Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, and Legends... Legends has the most to work on, I think. But there's so many cameos and, and you know, shout-outs and stuff just jam-packed into that show. I cannot help but watch it. Um, and, you know, there are moments where there are good arcs and there are moments where you're like, oh, God, the acting is so shitty. But, it's, you know, it is getting a little bit better. So I, I'm interested when Rip Hunter shows up. I'm interested to see if that characterization is the same. Are they making him different from what you see on, on, on in multimedia. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention real quickly, and we don't have to discuss it, but one thing I don't like is Rip just opening a time portal and leaving and walking through it. What the hell happened to the time bubble? Like, is that really that lame? Like, I really do like the time bubble. I think that's cool. And that's one of the failings, I think, of, like, the Flash TV show, is now we've got, like, Vibe, able Cisco being able to open like portals to alternate universes and when Barry runs back or forward in time he opens another little portal thing like what the hell happened to the time bubble I mean it's kind of cool it looks a little ridiculous don't get me wrong it's very 60s but at the same time like it's just this cool little thing why couldn't he have shown up and left in a in a time bubble but that's neither here nor there um so there was there was some interesting stuff going into it like, you know, how's Rip going to be? What's his role going to be? Um, what's all of this? But there, there was no consequence to this story. And if there's consequence, it's not till later. And I don't mean issue 21. I mean in a future storyline where either A, the gauntlet comes back, or we see Sarko, or we see something about the relationship with Kyle and uh, Sora take on some sort of animosity because Kyle is starting to pull away from her. Like you said, you know, there's within these four issues itself, the concepts and things we're introduced to have no consequence or payoff within this story arc. And And logistically speaking, you can't have an epic conclusion if there's really no conclusion. And what did they do with the prison beasts? Oh, they just disappeared. They looked like they just got powered down. No, no, no. They just got – there's a um, – let me pull it up. In issue 21 um, – Well, I know there's one panel when they say – when they ask, like, what's going on with them because they just seem to no, be no, no. falling to the ground. No, no, no. So uh, and in the in the uh, panel where Sarko gets shot through with the energy uh, and and then Kilowog goes, what are they doing? The attack stopped. Uh, Corlivian 
you know, zaps out. Oh, you're right. It looks like they're Ace fading has, away. Yeah, he did it. Hal did it. They're fading, fading out okay. of existence. Okay. That's, yeah. Yep. That's a good catch. Yeah, they're fading out of existence. But yeah, there's you. You can't have an epic payoff and an epic conclusion when there's no payoff and conclusion. You're setting up future payoffs. You're setting up things. But there's, I mean, other than the immediate conflict ending, and you know, Rip saying. All right, cool. Thanks for fixing that. I'm out. There's there's no epic conclusion here. There have been epic storylines that have still managed to seed and set up future storylines while still being an epic story arc within their own right. But this felt like no payoff. Don't get me wrong. It was interesting. I liked seeing Rip. There's some cool art moments. The stuff with uh, St. Walker gives me quote-unquote hope, um, for what's to come down the line and maybe seeing more of that. So there were some interesting things set up. I'm not saying it's not all bad set up, but all it was was set up. And I don't think anybody would begrudge me that. No, and let's be honest. We, I, I can't. It's not like we can even say we're surprised that that's all we got at the end of this arc. <laughs> I mean, we kind of, we unfortunately, this, this, is, this is kind of the... The mo right now with with a lot of these a lot of the storylines, especially in this in this book, we just get a lot of we get a good a really good first issue, usually a good premise, and then there's some intriguing aspects, little reveals along the way that make you that intrigue you, and then you get the end to the end, and nothing and the resolution isn't really much of a resolution, and you don't really feel like you've kind of moved from point A to point B all that much. Yeah. And, and um, you know, speaking to that, that's why I said at the very beginning of the episode, I like time travel stories. I like Rip Hunter. I don't necessarily like the idea of a time travel story involving the future of the Green Lantern Corps needing to be saved. Or, you know, Sinestro Corps needing to be saved in this case. I don't like inherently the idea of those two uh, story types being paired up. I do like my time travel stories and I do like my Green Lantern stories. And depending on how it's done, I could theoretically like both. That's why I had an initial interest in the storyline. But that's why I said that caveat at the beginning. Take what I say with a grain of salt, because going into it, I initially didn't really like the idea of this being paired up. So it's only fair, it's only fair to uh, you know, point out my bias going into it. Well noted. All right. Anything else? Um, yeah, there's a couple. There's two things. Let's, let me let me do that. Uh, I kind of referred to it when we started the episode, but let me just touch upon the the little listener feedback we got. The email? Yeah. Let the which I now I did when I responded. I, I'm pretty sure we did actually go circle back around this when we in that in that issue in that episode because it was my mistake. But you pointed out that it had to do with the variant covers. But but my you know but. But Mike, <coughs> oh, don't die on me, Chad. Uh, but Mike Sorry, I from tried to uh, mute that. <laughs> it's all right. You can leave it in. Uh, but Mike from Grand Rapids, Michigan, wanted to point out that again that uh, basically it was the difference with the variant covers that if you when you had the that if you had the variant cover then you didn't have the polarity on the top of the on the arc. But if you did, then polarity was on the top of every single issue in that three part in that three part arc. But only 
part one actually says part one, which, as I pointed out to begin this episode, that is, seems to be, what for whatever reason, how DC wants to do their multi-issue arcs. Just put part one on the first part and just keep the name of the arc on all the others. But still, that was a really good catch, Mike, so you don't have to feel bad about your first time writing in pointing that out. That's we. <laughs> yes. Sorry to make my first time writing yeah. in to point out a mistake, but I thought you guys should know. But we well, have... then uh, make up for it by sending us some more feedback for this episode. That's right. But we have... Be one of our be one of our consistent feedbackers. Right. <laughs> we we don't we don't get a lot of feedback anymore. That's true. Not as much as we as as much as we would like. But yeah. So thanks for writing in, Mike. But yeah, we kind of real uh, even even we. I mean, I think we did put that in that episode. But if we didn't, Chad and I did figure out that that was a. Uh, that was the difference between the variant covers and the regular covers. So that was my mistake uh, that Chad pointed out even then. That because uh, I obviously I had the variant cover for one one of the I think it was 21. Um, so there's that. That's the only feedback we have. Uh, I assume you watched all. You finished season three of The Flash. Yes, I did. All right. So what did you think? Because I finally was able to – when they added it to Netflix last week, I was finally able to pick up right where I left off around the mid-season finale and actually watch the rest of the season. So, um, whew. Uh, Yeah, okay. So don't get me wrong. This is not – this was not a terrible season of The Flash, but taking all three currently existing seasons of The Flash – it was the worst of the three. Um, I was, first and foremost, I'm already, I mean, by midway through season two, I was already done with evil speedsters. <laughs> and to do the evil speedster thing again this season, I was like, I was already going, oh, God dang it. But like, there was a twist. Please? Yeah, I know. There's always a freaking twist. <clears throat> you know. <laughs> 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 Wells is Eobard. <laughs> Jay is it Jay? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Like <laughs> it's it, it's it's stupid. But you did that, and then like three fourths of the rest of the season was, oh my god, Iris is gonna die. We have to prevent Iris dying. Yeah, and you know, and even the even the cool episodes. And don't get me wrong. When I say cool episodes, I know the musical episode could have been done a little better. I but see, the musical I skip, episode was... I skipped that one. I I, I, no, <coughs> no pun intended. I, fla- I fast-forward or flash-forwarded through it because I realized it had really nothing to do, for the most part, with going forward in the, ma- in the major issues. So I, I decided... Well, to- everybody was looking forward to it because both um, Melissa Benoist and, um, and Grant Gustin have musical talent. They actually do sing. I think they were both in Glee or at least Grant was at one point. Um, so I was looking forward to that. I thought it was interesting the way they did it, but even that had some, oh my God, Iris is going to die in the future undertones. And it just kind of sucked all the speed out of the series for me. You know, it just, it just, it didn't have much of a payoff. I mean, I like things like, you know, Jesse Quick being on the earth and, the cool thing with Grodd and, you know, that, uh, but, you know, that was actually one of the story arcs I was really looking forward to is they kind of took a brief break, maybe like a week or two. It wasn't one of the really long breaks, but there was a break between one episode and then the two episodes we got with the, the Grodd storyline. But, e- but even the Grodd storyline was kind of lackluster and it's just, I don't know. I love the flash. I love the concept and I love the show and I love Cisco and I kind of, 
I'm intrigued with, with what's going on with Caitlin. I love Barry and Joe's relationship. I love how much, I love how emotional of a father Joe is. He's super protective of his kids, but you know, I mean, he's, th- this guy is like really good at the, the emotional stuff and having connections. And he's not a man who's afraid to cry on screen, you know, stuff like that. And it's not like, and it's done in such a way where you don't think Joe's a big crybaby, but each time he does it, it's like, you know, a father with his deep connection to his son or daughter, you know, it, it's realistic. So I like a lot of these interpersonal things and this stuff with Wally and I like having Jesse quick and I like having all of this stuff happening here and there, but it's just like the, some of the part, the, some of the parts is just not that great. And it seems like four might be the season that's going to, kind of turn things around because supposedly the season four is not going to have an evil speedster villain. They've actually set it up a bunch where a lot of people are thinking it's going to be the thinker. Um, in, in a couple of episodes towards the end of the series, they did say the words DeVoe yep. and DeVoe is the thinker. Um, so we're all assuming that's going to be the villain and, and he's not a speed person. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really un- unimpressed with this season and in even the episodes that conceptually had me excited, like the Grodd and the musical episodes were still kind of a letdown. And you still, and you still get, you know, the joke like we talked about last season, you know, the du- Barry Allen, the dumbest man alive. Cause he's still, his decision-making skills have got, maybe they've, maybe they've gotten slightly better. Moving beyond the absolutely horrible, horrible moronic decision he made at the end of season two, which set, which ruined which ruined so many things for everybody. But oh I yeah, mean, and then and then the second episode, he brings it all like he tries to fix the timeline. Everything comes, you know, kind of back, but there's some issues. And his very first thing is, I'm gonna go back in time again. Yeah, until, <laughs> like, until Jay tells him you can't just keep friggin' doing this, idiot. But and it's it's like you think you would have learned that lesson does, on his yeah, own that, at this point. The, the pluses on this show is that it has a really good cast. The cast really makes this show. And you care, and you do care about the characters. But, and you really, and, and you care about Grant as the Flash. But he is, in ver- for, for a guy who should be inherently brighter just because of his job, let alone because now of the experience that he has, he's really dumb when it comes to his decision making. Let's bring, you know, what, let's, Savitar. Let's bring let's let's bring him in at the end. And oh yeah, we we he can join us, so we can figure that that wasn't the brightest move of all time either. But like you're talking about about the whole thing about sa- saving Iris. Now, first of all, everything that he sees in that vision of of when Iris is quote unquote supposed to die, everything he hears on the everything he sees around him, everything he hears on that news broadcast, it's not like all these things are directly related to her dying. So what makes him think by changing these small events it's going to have any impact in him being able to save her? Of all people, he goddamn knows that you can change the past, <laughs> you can change the past and the present and affect the future because he's done it a gazillion times. So conceptually, he knows that you can you can change the future. So why why is he so obsessed with changing all these minuscule little things that may not have any impact at all on what Savitar is going to do? Well, they tried to explain it away with the HR doing the whole domino thing. Yeah, they they tried to, but but it, I don't, I didn't really buy it because again, of all things, Barry Barry knows that in in this in this world that he lives in, 
that it isn't like one of those conceptual-ass views of time travel that we've seen before in which you can change the little things, but the big things always find a way of happening no matter what. That you yeah. can, yeah. That you can, you can alter the you can alter the future in subtle ways, but at the end of the day, the major events want to happen and will happen. We've so already, you you subscribe to the Doctor Who thing? Like well, there, are fixed, there are believe, fixed there are fixed points in time. Well, I'm not saying I necessarily believe that. Necessar- I'm not saying I 100% believe that. It's like again, I think we've talked about this a long time ago, too, on the show. It's about it's like your view of it goes hand in hand. Time makes sense, so it would go hand in hand. It's your it's one's view on what fate or destiny is. You know, some people can view fate as every single moment of your life is meant to happen a certain way. Even when you're torn between deciding between A and B, it's already foretold what you're going to do. That that's yeah. one that's one view that's one view of of fate and destiny. That everything's set in stone. It's basically a script that's already written for you, but you just you're not you're not getting any pages in advance. That's one view of destiny. Or fate. Another view is that you can change your destiny. That everything may, may be pliable. You can change anything. And then there's, there's the alter, the kind of like the intermediate view, which is where life, like fate, is like a choose-your-own-adventure book, where you get to certain cross, you get to certain crossroads, and you get to make a decision. If you go down road A, then certain things will unfold before your next decision put, potentially splits the road again. If you go B, certain things will happen before it splits the road again. So there's a bunch of bunch of ways to look at it, but in this, in the flash verse, if you will, we've already seen that big things can change, and and that even changing small, and even changing small things can have big effects. But you can, but you can change big, you can change big things. So I don't think that it seemed a bit obsessive in all, a lot of the things he was doing. Just we change all these little things, and that and that automatically means if we change. And at the end of the day, it meant nothing, really. At the end of the day, most of these little things that he changed really didn't re- didn't really impact the change that we, or the the little twist we got at the end. So where Iris died, but she didn't really die. That really didn't have that much to do with all these little things that he was trying to do. And and I don't know. It's it's just weird. I mean, and in the whole decision yeah. making, I'm going to ask you to marry me now just because I saw she didn't have a ring on when she got stabbed. I mean, that that was pretty stupid. Yeah. So I I I did. I of, mean, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, of the CW shows, Arrow was the best this season. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I still haven't. Wa- I don't watch that show. I did. I have heard that it seemingly you know rebounded from you know from where they were. Uh, well, they had they had Prometheus this season. That's a plus. Uh, um, and I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of biased because like the first half of the season had some Ragman stuff in it. Um, but I mean, just by and large, it was a pretty good season. Um, plus, you're you're kind of in the era of Ollie's history where he's mayor of, of Star City. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's that aspect of things too to kind of deal with. Um, so that was interesting. Um, Legends was better this season, but the time travel stuff was so convoluted, and there were so many mistakes. Like, don't get me wrong, time travel, you know, you can do all the theoretical stuff you want. Like, the the, the stuff that, you know, you know, I, I like to read books on physics and stuff, and, you know, evidently the theory of a multiverse is a real physics theory kind of based in string theory and all this stuff. So technically, if we're going on a phys, uh, physics theory aspect, time travel could be real. But by and large, it's a science fiction based thing so trying to even put rules on it in the first place <laughs> on how it would logistically play out is kind of inherently dumb 
But at the same time, there were so many just, wait, how did this happen? Because when they went back in time to this point, there's no way this could have played out the way they're doing it now kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> one thing I'd also like the Legends to do is they have the Wave Rider, which is a spaceship capable of traveling through time. But it's a spaceship that can exist in, you know, zero gravity and a vacuum of space as well as the depths of the ocean. So I would like to see them do the time travel stuff and space travel stuff. Time travel's cool, but I would love to see them take advantage of the space side of things. Supergirl was better. It got kind of relationshipy. I don't know if you heard or, or anything like that. Do you watch Supergirl? Do you care? I don't watch Supergirl. She had a relationship with Monel this season. Um, so that was sappy, interesting, but we all know Supergirl has its own sort of dynamic that uh, an audience that it caters to. I, I still enjoy Supergirl. It's a I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure show, but it's it's definitely you know something I like to I enjoy watching. My favorite TV show by far this season, though, was Agents of Shield, and that's saying something because <laughs> Agents of Shield season one was so boring. It was the worst show. I was so hyped for it, and it was just like, really, this is this is the dumbest shit. And then season two got a little bit better, and season three was kind of eh, I guess, but. To, to have that show going from starting off on such a shitty mark to being one of my favorite shows of all the shows I watch. And I watch Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends, iZombie, you know, uh, uh, you know, all of this stuff. Uh, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was just was really well done this season. And uh, I mean, that's that's high marks from from coming from the start of that series with season one to being one of the best comic book shows on TV this season. That's, I mean, that's just, but yeah, the flash just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm so done with the evil speeds through things. And if they, if they come back with it in season five or they try to do it again in, in the next season, we're all wrong about the thinker. Like, I'm just going to be so pissed. <laughs> I will say that I, when I lost interest, and I know they're not going to stop doing this, this is just my personal take. I don't like this whole mid-season finale crap. Nope. I, I don't like it. I think it's asking for trouble when it comes to keeping your viewers to take like a month or a month and a half off between, and then how, and you just hope everybody is so loyal to your show and loves it so much they automatically remember when it starts again. Because I'm sure I'm not the only person that if you miss a couple of episodes, even though you, now it's easier to catch up with on demand and things like that. But if you miss a couple of episodes, sometimes, especially when you know that you're going to get an opportunity to watch the show at some point, it makes it really easy not to just not really care. Now, I watched the last – I think I, I watched the last – I know I watched most of the last episode of The Flash, the season finale, the season finale, when it came out a few weeks ago. So I knew basically what had happened other than flipping between – I think I was watching a Mets game. I was flipping back and forth. But I saw the beginning of the episode. I saw the end of the episode. So I – but I – had like I mentioned before, I pretty much around somewhere shortly after they wrapped up the alchemy stuff and they were around the mid-season part. That's when I stopped watching and I never really got back into it when it started up again. So, But I was pretty 
and I didn't feel like I was missing much. I didn't really care all that much. I was kind of losing my interest in the Flash. I will say, after having watched, you know, over for the last like three or four days, watching, mo- pick, picking up where I left off, and then watching to the end and watching the season finale again, I thought it was better than I thought. I had a, I have a better feeling for, for this from the season, or I got it from the season than I thought I was going to get. I think again the chemistry still works. I like I kind of like bringing in Malfoy there. He kind of worked as you know, though having having him and now another Dicky another Dicky version of Harrison Wells together might be a little bit too much. <laughs> but, yeah, but, uh, speaking of, I didn't really care about HR at all this season. He no, kind of annoyed yeah, the shit out of me. Yeah, even I, when they tried to make him likable, he still annoyed me. I I will agree with you. I think he was he was more it it was a, it was good for Tom Cavanaugh. It was good to have him. It was good from an acting perspective. It was kind of cool that he's gotten to play. Oh yeah, he's got he's got range. Yeah, for it's, sure. good, it's good that he's gotten to play basically three different versions of a sa- of the same character, give or take. So that's kind of cool. I I, I I like that. But but yeah, he he became mostly annoying. He he was the guy that was there just on purpose to always say the to say the wrong thing at the at the wrong time and and, and piss somebody off or hurt somebody and. Yeah, not intentionally, but still, yeah, it, it was annoying. I kind of like Gypsy. I thought that I thought she was kind of. In, I kind of like her and the, her and the Cisco thing going on. It's good that we got to, that John Wesley ship was back a couple times. Uh, uh, it's, we got Mirror Master and Top this season, oh, which was cool. Yeah, but I didn't like them. I didn't like Mirror Master when they brought him in the first uh, the earlier on either. I didn't like that. I, th- I don't like. Okay. It. I don't. But you're right. They 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 brought that. They you know they brought him back. So that was that that was kind of cool. So I I did. So that, but I and Abracadabra. That I that was pretty cool. But I was also going to say I liked the episode with him and Snart with Captain Cold when they went to go get the power source they needed for their cannon and had to deal. With oh him, oh him yeah yeah yeah. Where they where they where they broke into Argus. Yes, that yeah. I liked, and I, and I did really like the relationship between Barry and Snart and how Snart in a way kind of helped. Give Barry the you know the motivation that he needed about stop trying to prove you're a badass to everybody and, and that you can you know be such a you know, be 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 so impressive and, and do, make all the hard decisions and everything else and just be who you are because it's your yeah best. some people really don't like Whitworth Miller's uh, Captain Cold I'm one of the people who's a huge fan of it like I will defend Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold to anybody I don't care I, I've I've read all the negative aspects and I just don't agree. Like, I, I, you know, sometimes you see, like, a, oh, I can kind of see their point, like, in no way, shape, or form do I see see that in terms of Wentworth, Miller, Wentworth Miller's portrayal of Captain Cold. To me, that's one of the best things out of The Flash, is his Captain Cold. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, really, liked, I really liked that episode toward the end of the season. I thought that was good. There are some things again that make you scratch your head and about from a continuity perspective is like the episode when they gave Barry accidentally they gave him full amnesia, and then yeah. and the minute he gets amnesia, Savitar gets amnesia. But yet he just, but yet Barry gets amnesia, but it's not enough to prevent Savitar from ever being created. But yet it's enough for Savitar to still exist, but not know why he's there. Well, supposedly time has to. I know there's a paradox. Take time and, and it has to, to reset. Yeah, it has to catch. I know, and but then. Yeah, but I don't. But wasn't Killer Killer Frost was just there? Killer Frost was was there to help them get Barry's memories back, just because 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 Ellie wanted to help Barry, but also because she needed because Savitar needed to get his memories back. Yeah. But 
I but it wasn't bec- but I, I didn't I don't remember that being well you have to, we have to do this or else Savitar fades away because you would think you would want to you would want to wait till Savitar faded away to to try to come up with a way to but either way I didn't like the fact that he he lost his memories but yet he still existed but yet somehow Wally lost his powers even though in the, this part of the time loop he had already given Wally his powers whether he remembered yeah. giving him his powers or not was irrelevant he had already done it so why would that part of the loop all of a sudden immediately be affected that made no yeah. sense to me whatsoever because he had already done it if he hadn't gotten to that point yet then I could buy that but he had already done it so why would that automatically disappear it seems like they were they were picking and choosing which parts of the which parts were going to be affected or might not be affected or what was going to be affected I, I thought that was incredibly stupid. It made no sense. It made no sense whatsoever. But uh, so, in yeah, I, I did like we got to. Like I started to say we got Jen, John John Wesley ship back as both Henry and both and Jay. And I guess we'll, it's probably safe to assume we'll see Jay at least, or probably earlier in the season until, depending how long Barry is on ice. Yeah. So who who takes Barry's place? Jay, Wally, or somebody else? Or, I mean, I guess Jesse is another possibility. Yeah, that is interesting. Unless, I mean... Uh, and you know, you, know, you know what's interesting, too, speaking of the Grodd episodes? I wonder if... Because they haven't said it, but they haven't explicitly stated that it's not true. If, in the, the CW TV DC universe, do the apes of Gorilla City have ties to the speed force the way they do in the comics because i don't know if you remember but don't wasn't there some comics um that explain the origins of the intelligence of the apes as having something to do with the speed force it sounds right but i honestly don't remember that story and the reason i bring it up is because salivar when he's fighting barry his spear is shaped like a lightning bolt that is true that was true. And the, I mean, I mean the tip of it, not the actual right. shaft. Right. But yeah. So you know, that's and, and that's something else I wanted to bring up is what do we hope to see in season four? For me myself, I'd be really stoked to see Max Mercury. We've got, I mean, because I'm happy we got Wally. I'm happy we got Jesse. Jesse's one of the people I was really looking forward to seeing at some point in the Flash universe. But I was uh, one other person outside of Jay and Jesse and Wally. I would really like to see is Max Mercury. Maybe we'll see Bart because they kind of alluded to a Bart. Remember when, when when he lost when Barry lost his when he lost his memory? Oh yeah, that's true. And like, like yeah. uh, Barry, I, I, I can't. I'm not a Barry. And he looked and he looked, he looked at his driver's license. Bart, I like Bart. Call, hey, call me Bart and Wally. Bart's pretty cool. <laughs> and everybody just looks at him. You idiot. <laughs> Uh, another thing I'd like to see in uh, in season four is the Flash Museum. I'd like to see the Flash Museum come uh, happen because there was a Flash for it in the end of season one, right? When he was going through the Speed Force, he was seeing flashes of things, and one of the things he saw was the Flash Museum. I think that's correct. Uh, another thing that we saw in that Speed Force thing in the at the end of season one was Barry speaking to somebody through glass like he buries the one in jail and there are a lot of different ways you can interpret that but for me i thought of earth three and the crime syndicate and how that quote unquote barry could be his name is johnny quick right i think so 
yeah, in, in that universe. I thought I thought that could be interesting to see a crime syndicate version. But then again, that gets too close into the territory of having another evil speedster. Um, but you know, that might be the one case where I'd be at least slightly intrigued if we had an evil speedster villain is if it involved Earth three. I know. I mean, when you're trying to think of who, who's going to get trapped in the Speed Force to take his place, assuming there's no way to work around that, assuming that because we know because we know Barry is serving his penance, but supposedly unlike some of the others, he's not going to be like in hell. If we ever to yeah. believe what they said, that he's not he's not going to be living, you know, he's not going to be going through the, the ultimate horrible experience, but he's still going to have to serve. So, so unless we believe that there's a way for him to just essentially be released after he serves his penance. There's always a chance. There's always a chance you're gonna get reverse flash. There is gonna show up in current continuity, and then he ends up being sucked sucked into the prison. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised though if some sort of uh, crisis happens, uh, and I don't mean yeah. yeah but where where the speed force goes, you know what? <laughs> Screw it. I've got control over this place. They need you. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, which would be kind of a cop out. But at the same time, I kind of like the Speed Force having a personality. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean taking his mother's form but, or anybody else's form, as we saw in other episodes in the past. But like, I do like the fact that the Speed Force has sentience. I would say it's not one specific personality but kind of a collective that's the way i've always seen the speed force is it's it's speedster heaven in a way but it's just kind of the power the source the uh you know when, when you get the the whole from ashes to ashes dust to dust that kind of a th- of an aspect you know it's the speed force is what gives everybody all the speedsters their power both good and evil and when they die, the, their essence returns to the source. And it's sort of free of those aspects. You know, like you put that, that power, that essence within a speedster, and it's up to them to choose to be good or evil. Uh, and they are what they are throughout their life. But when they die, its raw force goes back in, and it's got its own sort of personality, but it kind of joins the rest. That's kind of what I've always thought of the Speed Force. Although there is a book, <coughs> and I bring these up all the time, but the Justice League novels, you know, there was the Green Lantern Heroes Quest and all that. In the Flash Stop Motion book, which is my favorite of all of them, uh, including the graphic audio interpretation of it, um, it's revealed there that the Speed Force is just another state of being. It's not Speedster Heaven. It's just from Barry's limited perspective. It's as far, or, well, in this case, the story is focused on Wally. From Wally's limited perspective, it is as far as he can go. There is, you know, because you have to go a certain speed to get to the Speed Force. And in certain stories, especially in the comics, once you're in the Speed Force, it's very hard to come back. Well, that's because the Speedsters, we know, their power is only so much. There, there exist um, speeds faster than the speed force but the speed force is kind of like an undercurrent that exists in all realities that all speedsters can access it's like a plane of consciousness for them 
And I don't want to spoil that story in case anybody ever wants to read it, but the flash stop motion, it's the only way this being from another Earth can contact Wally because it cannot interfere in destiny on our Earth, but it has some knowledge to impart to Barry or to Wally. And because Wally's a speedster and it's a speedster, that's the only place that he can effectively communicate. So it's like this undercurrent between all realities, the same way that uh, the antimatter universe is an undercurrent between all realities. So, but I, I, I don't know. That's just kind of my, I, I guess the speed force having a personality kind of aligns with everything I've already known about it. But at the same time, it's such a different portrayal because it's like its own world, which is kind of odd. That is true. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Anything else you want to say? No, I think I think we've done quite a bit for tonight. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close out. Mark, how can people get a hold of us? Lanterncast at gmail.com. That is the easiest way to contact us. Visit our website, lanterncast.com. We can catch up on the latest news, episodes, you name it. We have it there. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you like us or on either one, obviously, if you listen to us, hopefully you'll like us. So if you like us, please leave us a positive review on one or both of those platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. And last but not least, our voicemail, 708Lantern, and where you can let us know what you think about this episode and what you want for future ones and just your thoughts on Green Lantern in general. Um, so next episode, quarterly. don't hold us to it. Yeah, but maybe we're thinking quarterly. Uh, and then I guess we have some time now to do whatever we want. Yeah, we should because it looks like the arc in uh... – the, the Green Lantern's arc did not end this week, so I think there's one. So we technically don't probably don't have to cover Green Lanterns until the end of this month. So we might actually have one, at least one other. Ep- well, we have to do, we or we can do what we want, but between your spinoff and the fact that Jim and I are supposedly supposed to do pre-birth this month, so we still might end up basically having everything covered for releases. But we we do have a little bit of wiggle wiggle room based on the what arcs are going on in the, in the books right now. Sounds great. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.